To listen to Memory Card episodes early and ad-free, consider supporting the show via Patreon at patreon.com memcard. Hey there, video game fans. I'm Ben Bertoli. And I'm Push Dustin. <laughs> and this is Memory Card. <laughs> uh, we're getting extra animated because this is a very animated episode that we're about to have, Push. Mm-hmm. I think it's our most animated uh, episode yet. Yes. Yes, I believe it, it has the most cartoony vibes, I would say. Mm-hmm. And, and my, my starting question for you is, were there any cartoons as a kid that you were not allowed to watch that you were strictly banned from watching not really not not as far as i can remember and i think one of the reasons for that was because we didn't have cable like my family didn't have cable growing up Mm. and so um you know we just had the the basic broadcast channels and um like i watched seinfeld with my mom when i was like you know like 10 years old or out (laughs) (laughs) i i'd I'd watch the simpsons i'd watch you know anything that was on fox like i was i was big into 24 like in high school middle school (laughs) not high school Uh, i feel like that would be appropriate at that point maybe yeah it was like after 9 11 right because i started i started watching it when it first came out so i would be 13 years old when that that show came out 24 yeah 24 yeah you know like underground everyone's favorite animated show (laughs) (laughs) also uh you know uh i'm a pirate (laughs) yeah if if you know that uh you're officially old yes yeah i think i'm aware of that meme and i've never even seen a full episode of 24 oh really no i was i mean as a kid i feel like i gravitated way more towards animated stuff i don't know why and as an adult i do too but my parents were very against the simpsons and south park uh very much so ren and stimpy even in in the early years in my formative years i guess i just thought it was like too gross yeah but you know down the line Obviously, as I got older, they were like, yeah, if you want to watch it, you can watch it. I remember them saying that I couldn't watch The Simpsons, but they were okay with me watching Family Guy because... Oh, that's really weird. They had no idea. Family? Yeah. (laughs) I think they had just had no idea what actually was in it. Um, But, you know, that was like when I was becoming a teenager and then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go back and uh, watch all The Simpsons, uh, buy all the DVDs and... My cousins, Scott and Kurt, they were always allowed to watch The Simpsons, so mm-hmm. they kind of uh, kept me up to date yeah. on everything. They, they told you um, all the hip new phrases like, uh, <laughs> eat my shorts. That's right. And uh, don't don't have a cow, man. Cowabunga. That's right. Yeah. I caramba. <laughs> all the classics. So, yeah, I distinctly remember when I lived in Louisiana and was really young. I don't know why I remember this, but we were driving home and you could kind of see into our living room. Yep. Um, from one of the back roads that we took mm-hmm. and I my dad was watching The Simpsons oh. and my mom like called him out on it in a playful way like not like in an actually angry way but we were like you were watching The Simpsons like you're not allowed to do that mm-hmm. which was just you know caught in the act yeah my parents were just like yeah anything you know like they gave me Mortal Kombat, you know, on the Sega Genesis, you know, like one, two, and three, like multiple, co- you know, multiple entries in the series. Right. So they had this uh, philosophy that was like, if the kid is mature enough, then they can handle it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And like, they trusted that, you know, I'm not a violent kid or anything like that. I'm not like, you know, I don't, I don't go, try to go out of my way to become offensive or anything like that. So they're just like, okay, he, he's probably okay to, you know, consume this type of media. <laughs> yeah. And look how you turned out. Yeah. The most violent, swearingest guy I know. Yeah, I'm like a sailor. Yeah, just <laughs> constantly. All right, this is going to be an episode that's actually focused on The Simpsons and their 
long running video game dominance uh, throughout the 90s and actually to today. I'm not mm. actually going to get to every Simpsons game because there are a lot of them. Quite a bit. Yeah. So really today I'm just going to focus on the kind of the obscure ones and some that were like huge flops and um, a few that were very iconic. Uh, some of the first ones. Yep. So let's get to the episode. The episode. The Simpsons. Wait, wait. The memory card. It doesn't work. I don't think it works. No. All right. Cue the music. So I'm aware that The Simpsons are literally one of the most popular, you know, animated programs of all time, but I thought it would be kind of fun and interesting if I started off with a history of The Simpsons, like how they, you know, came to be on TV, because, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of important. Yeah. So most people know that Matt Groening is the creator of The Simpsons, and he actually moved to Los Angeles in 1977 at the age of 23. And just kind of did a bunch of uh, odd jobs. He worked at a record store and he started writing his own self-published comic. And I'm only going to say the name of it once because it's got a bad word in it, Push. It's <laughs> yeah. called Life in Hell, okay? which I will oh my hear God. for be referred to as Life in Heck. Just because, you know, earmuffs for our, our younger listeners. So he made this comic. It's about these weird uh, like rabbit-like creatures, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like the main rabbit who's named Binky, and then there's uh, the girl rabbit who he hooks up with named Sheba, and they have a illegitimate son uh, who's named Bongo who only has one ear. And uh, they have uh, friends named Akbar and Jeff who are uh, gay roommates who have little fezzes. You can't really tell them apart. But it was, uh, you know, very underground and had some fun like commentary on work and life in L.A., And people really liked it. You know, the underground scene then was like a huge thing. They actually had a magazine that picked it up. Uh, The magazine was called Wet, which is a great magazine name. Yeah, that's a great name. That was almost the name of this podcast for reasons I can't get into. But uh, (laughs) after after it was featured in uh, Wet magazine, it got picked up by the Los Angeles Reader and then kind of got, you know, like more mainstream and was made into some books and stuff. So Life in Heck was was his first kind of breakout success. And due to this success, they were putting together a show on Fox that was called The Tracy Ullman Show. And uh, that premiered in 1987. And they needed like little individual uh, cartoons that were going to go at like the start and end of all the commercial breaks Mm -hmm. because the Tracy Ullman show, for those who don't know, because honestly, I don't know that much about it, except for that's where the Simpsons came from. It's like a variety show. It's almost like SNL or uh, let's see, what was the big one on Nickelodeon when we were kids? Uh, All all that. Yeah. Yeah. Like Keenan Thompson and stuff. So it's kind of like that. And when Matt Groening got called in to do these cartoons, he was like, oh, well, I'll just do the life and heck, you know, comic strips, but as animated. But then he realized that if he put them on TV, he would like lose his like publication rights to them or something. So literally right before he went to pitch his show, he just came up with this whole new idea. He just kind of scribbled down some names of this dysfunctional family. He uh, named them all after his own relatives, except for Bart, Mm -hmm. who is just an anagram for the word brat because he's, you know, 
Mm. He's a little punk. So Bart is essentially uh, Matt Groening, you know, or like represents him as a child. Yep. If you've seen any of the first Simpsons episodes, they're like super like crudely drawn. They're, you know, very squiggly mm-hmm. and uh, the animation is not very smooth. But uh, once it got picked up for its own series, it kind of was like this crazy, like mass hysteria. It's almost called like it's like Beatlemania, but for the Simpsons. Yeah. Um, actually, they did. They called it Bartmania because it was like so popular because there really weren't like animated shows for adults out there at that time. And this was just like super cutting edge. Yeah. And it was very edgy for the time because like on broadcast TV, you couldn't have like it was it was like, it was like, you know, you had the, the, the functional family mm-hmm. and you had like, you know, all those shows were like, you know, the dad was responsible and like, you know, the mom would stay home and like cook meals and kind of like take care of the kids and then like at the end of the day like there would be some issue but they would come together and resolve it mm-hmm. and so the simpsons was like really like a a step outside of of what was normal at the time yeah really push the boundaries there wasn't always like a moral at the end you know yeah people people didn't learn their lessons no homer was still a lazy slob at the end of the day but i mean that was one of the things especially you know bart simpson caught on as like this rebel yeah and you know kids were like whoa he's so cool he had this this big tagline that underachiever and proud of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that obviously did not jive well with parents or teachers and that made it even cooler. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, even when I was a kid in the like mid to late 90s, because The Simpsons got really popular when I was like very young. I doubt I was like asking my parents for, you know, a Bart t-shirt or anything, but there was still, there was so much merchandise, just like outrageous amounts of it. And I guess the Simpsons merchandise sold so well that it generated $2 billion in revenue during just the first 14 months that they had like stuff Mm -hmm. out on there. Yeah. I remember um, when I was like nine or 10, I was collecting the Simpsons pogs. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Alf pogs. Yeah. Yeah. He's back in pog form. I had the millhouse one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know what? That was one of the few things I did have was I had some Simpsons trading cards and that was like really all I had to go off of you know like my knowledge of them was just these trading cards where they had you know catchphrases and little bits of information and I think there was a book that was called like Life According to Bart Simpson or something that was like kind of oh yes yes I remember targeted for kids and I certainly borrowed that from a friend and got into it if anybody out there is interested in the history of the Simpsons there's this podcast i listen to it's called the history of the 90s and there's an entire episode like a full hour on just the simpsons and they like interview people that voice the characters and uh yeah it's great so go check out history of the 90s if you want more information on the simpsons because we're about to get into the realm of uh video games push here i want to ask you (laughs) to do something yeah this is gonna be uh super embarrassing um not really but when, when I was a teenager, um, my, my best friend in high school, Noel, he was a huge Simpsons fan. And we would always crack each other up by trying to do our best um, Marge Simpson impression. Oh, okay. Can you do, can you do a Marge Simpson impression for me? <laughs> oh, God. I'm so terrible at Marge. Um, you gotta. Let's, uh, let's try. Oh, me. Oh, me. <laughs> Lisa, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we sound like cars trying to take off. 
that's a, that's a fun party game. Just have everyone try to talk like Marge Simpson for as long as possible. Oh, Lord. Oh, homie. All right. So, as I said, Simpsons merchandising was everywhere. So, obviously, you know, video games were becoming this, you know, hot new ticket uh, in the early 90s. The NES and the Super NES and the Genesis and everything were, were bringing it back from the uh, crash that had happened in the 80s. And the very first Simpsons game, and arguably like the most popular, is the Simpsons arcade game. Mm, yeah. And that came out in North America on March 4th, 1991, and in Japan on August 4th, 1991. I couldn't find anything about it being officially released in Europe, so I'm not sure if that actually happened. But the game had two different builds. There was one that was just a two-player build. And there was one that was four-player build, which I think most people remember. I didn't know that there was a two-player build. Yeah, neither did I. But apparently there was one out there. Those, those poor people who only had to play with one friend. Yeah. So the plot of it... Choose. Yeah. The plot of the game is... Uh, pretty simple the simpsons run into uh smithers who is um mr burns assistant if you didn't know who has apparently robbed a jewelry shop for mr burns which doesn't make much sense because he's already like a billionaire but uh smithers drops the diamond he's stolen and maggie starts sucking on it like a pacifier and then he decides instead of just taking it from her that he's going to steal maggie and take her back to mr burns you know mansion so the whole thing is basically you're one of the four main simpsons you know family members and you're trying to beat people up across town it is a beat em up for those who've never played it. Yep. Each character had their own, you know, special moves. Homer just does like basic punching and kicking. Marge swings a vacuum cleaner. Bart has a skateboard and Lisa attacks with a jump rope. And then if you like got close to other people you're playing, you could do these like combo attacks where I remember Marge and, and Homer would like grab each other's ankles and like roll around and like <laughs> smash people up. It's kind of cool that they like incorporated that. It really reminds me of some of those um, arcade Ninja Turtle games that were also made by Konami. Yeah. Like uh, Turtles in Time and stuff like that. There were uh, also like items and food and power ups like that that you could get. If you ever have the chance, if you ever see it in an arcade or I know when I went to PAX uh, a long time ago, they had like an arcade room and that was one of the main attractions was the Simpsons arcade game. Mm -hmm. It's really classic. Oh, yeah. It's been re-released on, I think, the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360, but it's just not the same. You really need that like big, you know, arcade feel yep. if you really want to get into it. And um, I thought I knew a lot about this game, but as I was looking into it, apparently the Japanese version is like substantially different in quite a few like little ways that mm -hmm. honestly it sounds like more fun. There's like throwable, I'm reading this verbatim, throwable small scale nuclear bombs in the game mm -hmm. that would just pop up here and there that you could throw to basically like blow up an entire section of the screen that was not in the North American release. Um, you could also go beyond 100% of your health up to, I think, like 300% just by eating more and more food. Oh, wow. Which is, you know, classic Homer Simpson move. Your bar would just change colors and you could get like more and more life. There was hidden food and items throughout where if like you punched, you know, a wall or a vase or a painting, something would come out of it, but you had to know about it, which is kind of cool. And um, in the North American version, every time you beat up a character, you got like one point. Mm -hmm. But in the Japanese version, depending on how tough the character is, you would get more points and then your score would you know fluctuate based on that and i guess um the japanese version was unlockable in the playstation and xbox versions of the game which is really neat and it was uh re-released before that for i think some like pc 
uh, like, but real, you know, like uh, retro Commodore 64 and MS-DOS type stuff. Yeah. Um, and then most recently in 2021, Arcade 1-Up actually released a 30th anniversary edition of the arcade cabinet. You know, like, do you know what that is? The Arcade 1-Up? Yes, I actually I've seen it. They're replicas of full-size ones, but they're just a little bit smaller, a little bit more manageable. Yeah. And uh, this one also had the Simpsons bowling. So I think there's like a trackball in the middle. Uh, for the bowling game. Oh, okay. It's definitely one that, like, if I was considering getting uh, a one-up arcade cabinet, I'd be like, yeah, that that might be one of the ones I want. We're going to put things on a pause for a moment to hear a word from our sponsors. Memory card. That's us. That's right. We're our own sponsor. And if you'd like to support us, you can leave a four or five-star review on the podcasting platform of your choice or follow us on Twitter at Memcard Show. But Ben, what about our fantastic patrons? Of course, of course. In fact, our wonderful patrons over at Patreon are really what make this show possible. And if you are feeling extra supportive, you can head over to patreon.com slash memcard. Every single one of our patrons gets access to early and ad-free episodes. Higher tiers include bonus episodes, shout-outs, stickers, and more. We certainly hope you'll check it out and consider becoming one of our lovely patrons. Once again, that's patreon.com slash M-E-M-C-A-R-D. What's our sticker for this season, Push? Well, since it's our eighth season, we actually have this wonderful little robot, Octorok. And it was actually illustrated by my friend, uh, Midoribin. You can follow her on Twitter at Midoribin underscore art. Very cool. Eight legs for eight seasons. I like it. I like it. Well, thanks for taking the time to hear us out. Let's go ahead and get back to the show. If you had an arcade game in, in your uh, in your house, your apartment, Push, which one would you want? What retro game would you want? That's kind of hard because um, I think I would probably go for one of those. I forgot what it's called, but like those uh, arcade machines that you can just swap out easily. Oh, like a multi-cade type thing? Yeah. Yeah, I would, you know, I have a Donkey Kong arcade machine in my house, but I've been thinking about converting it to a multi-cade, but it only has one control stick and like... Uh, I think one button mm. for <laughs> you know, running and jumping. So it's not really the great, but the best build, I'm sure I could uh, switch out the control panel. But another interesting fact about the uh, arcade game is that it gave information on the characters and it said that Bart was 10, Lisa was seven, Homer was 35 and Marge was 34, which is not their actual like canonical ages. I think, yep. uh, I think Homer is supposed to be 39 and Marge is 36 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And my last fact, this is actually the reason why I wanted to do an entire Simpsons episode, is this hilarious fact, is that um, when Marge gets electrocuted in the game, yep. you can see like their skeleton outlines and you can see that she has bones going up into her hair for like two big ears like a rabbit oh. because <laughs> I guess initially it was going to be discovered. A callback? Well, it was going to be discovered later in the series that Marge had giant like rabbit ears under her hair and that's why her hair was so tall uh, <laughs> like that was going to be an actual plot point on the show and he thought it would be funny if they included it in the video game ahead of time like as a little easter egg yeah i mean it's kind of a callback to the you know life is heck rabbits mm-hmm. um who actually appear in the game as well as enemies in certain places so that's just uh yeah kind of wild that they were like yeah sure marge has giant rabbit ears despite having normal human ears yeah, she's a rabbit <laughs> yeah i mean 
It's The Simpsons, so that wouldn't be that wild. But beyond uh, this original arcade game, there was just like a slew of games that came out. And unsurprisingly, most of them focused on Bart as the main character. Yeah. So I thought we could do a fun real or fake here. There's a lot of games that are Bart versus whatever. Yep. So I'm going to say a name, Bart versus this, and you tell me if that's a real video game or not. Okay. Okay. Bart versus the Crazy Clowns. That's with two Ks. Crazy Clowns. I think that one's fake. That is fake. Good job. One point for you. Yeah. All right. How about Bart versus the Moon Queen? That one's also fake. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Dang, I thought I could get you. All right. Bart versus the world. That one's real. That one is real. Bart versus the Juggernauts. Like um, the Juggernaut from uh, X-Men? I, I cannot elaborate. <laughs> um, that one, I could see that being real, but I'm gonna say it's fake. That one is real. Ah. But it's not, not the Juggernaut, it's the Juggernauts. It's plural, I don't know. Okay. I think it's supposed to be like, uh, like American Gladiator type people. Okay, back to it. Bart versus the Space Mutants. There was a game that was like similar to that, but I think that's a slightly different title, so no. No, I'm sorry, that is that is the name ah, of it. Ah, okay. All right, last one. Bart versus the Fantastic Four. That one's fake. Yeah, that one's fake. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think like, hmm, what could I throw in there that might be, you know, like Bart versus the X-Men? <laughs> so these games were almost all completely the same. I mean, obviously different settings, there's gonna be slightly different controls and different visuals but they were pretty much just platformer action type games where you would kind of run and gun um, and jump around and try not to get hit and uh, face bosses. And then there were a handful of Game Boy game releases. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because a lot of these didn't come out for anything else. You know, the, uh, most of the games I just mentioned had multiple releases on different consoles or computer and, you know, console. And these were almost all Game Boy exclusives mm. developed by Imagineering was the main developer and yep. software creations, Beam Software, but all published by Acclaim Entertainment. So you got Bart Simpson's Escape from Camp Deadly, which I believe was on other things. Bart versus the Juggernauts, which I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Bart and the Beanstalk. And then Itchy and Scratchy in Miniature Golf Madness. Mm. So those are all released from 1991 to 1994 and you know we talked about the four finger versus five finger thing in the uh, yep. in a previous episode where we talked about odd world yep and uh looking up a lot of the japanese box art for these game boy games and all the bart versus games a lot of them had to change bart from having four fingers to having five fingers because of the uh japanese cultural thought mm, that having four yep. fingers of yakuza yeah disrespectful and all that so if you have no idea what i'm talking about go back and listen to the episode from last season called it's an odd 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 world mm -hmm. so moving on from that um and i'm like i said i'm not going to hit everything but one of the games that i wanted to talk about was called bart's house of weirdness mm -hmm. and that was a game uh that came out in 1991 and it was only for the dos pc you know computers ms dos which is kind of strange because this was one that was made by Konami, who made the original, you know, action beat-em-up game. And um, you would think it would have come to, like, more systems. 
but it never did. This is another action-adventure platform game. Bart gets grounded, has to go to his room, and he, you know, being Bart Simpson, sneaks out of the house. And basically, you go to all these different levels. Uh, One of them's like a dream world where you're fighting against Itchy and Scratchy, and you have to eventually save Krusty the Clown from Sideshow Bob. And it's an interesting-looking game. The pixels and the sprites and stuff are actually pretty like big and and nicely made Mm -hmm. bart's life instead of just a normal life bar it's called the coolo meter (laughs) so (laughs) if your coolness level drops all the way to uncool then you die just like in real life so if you ever you know get shamed or if you ever become so lame that eventually you'll just keel over but there's like a bunch of weapons you can pick up there's a burp gun a slingshot spray paint water balloons to refill your coolo meter instead of you know Mm -hmm. eating food or gaining i don't know power pellets or whatever you basically just have to find cool items which is interesting extremely like objective you know what counts as a cool item and and it's and it's interesting too because unlike some of the other games where it was a side scrolling platformer you kind of just moved into one room at a time and you dealt with all the enemies in that room and then you moved on to the next one Mm -hmm. it still had the platforming and adventure stuff but it was you know very sectioned off so this was uh developed by distinctive software and like i said published by konami and was actually announced by konami at the june 1991 international summer consumer electronics show in chicago Uh. but a lot of people who review like simpsons content and you know cover that say that this game is like weirdly ignored by a lot of like you know gaming history people yep and mainly just because it didn't come to a lot of things a lot of people didn't play it so it's trying to shine a little bit of a spotlight on it so the next one is uh 1997 and that is the simpsons virtual springfield mm-hmm. yeah if you could go somewhere in in the simpsons world where would you want to go yeah definitely not the real springfield i would pick the virtual one (laughs) right but i'm saying if you were in the real springfield with homer simpson walking around where would you want to go would you want to go to like moe's or visit the power plant or what well i wouldn't want to visit the power plant because that's always like (laughs) exploding you know (laughs) exploding (laughs) having meltdowns that's why everyone's yellow in the town probably uh you know crusty crusty's show or mm-hmm. uh crusty burger yeah i would love i'd love to try a crusty burger or uh there was like a crusty mcrib there in one of the episodes oh yeah crusty's gelatinous based beverages whatever he calls shakes i can't remember mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of fun there's some theme park i think it's universal that has a bunch of simpsons like stores and locations and i've never been but i've always wanted to almost exclusively for that reason But the uh, virtual Springfield was not quite as high tech as I was hoping it would be. When I looked into the footage, it was not very 3D. And um, some of the people who reviewed it said that they actually thought that it was a little too big. Like there was a lot of dead space in between like locations in the city, which I guess is realistic. You know, everything in the show is not uh, right next door to everything else. But basically, you would just kind of wander around and you would meet different characters and you had to collect character cards throughout the town. Once you had like met everybody and visited everywhere, then you were done. It was a little too little too open and, you know, it's not super exciting. I guess if you were a Simpsons fan at the time, it might be something really cool to kind of wander around Springfield. Yeah. But um, it, it did apparently have really good, you know classic simpsons humor and i believe they brought all the voice actors on to do special lines and things like that so not bad not bad 
my that's my March voice. <laughs> that's not bad. So fun fact about this game is that while they were making it, they had the idea to construct a life-size replica of the Simpsons house and give it away in a contest. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, which actually happened. So I, I think some people, it's like a little bit of a chicken and egg situation. Did Virtual Springfield inspire this or did that inspire Virtual Springfield? Because they were both, I think, kind of in the beginning stages. But it's interesting that that might have been the reason why somebody eventually won a Simpsons house, a real Simpsons house, which has got to be worth like something these days. And then the last two games I wanted to talk about are, I want to say they're similar because they're kind of sports games. One is Simpsons Wrestling for the PlayStation, and the other one is Simpsons Skateboarding for the PlayStation 2. As far as I could tell, based on my research, there are no Simpsons games for the uh, Nintendo 64. That's Completely a skipped it, yeah. Yeah, they have the uh, South Park game for the N64. Right, uh, so- like multiple. Yeah, South Park Rally or whatever, I think. There was like a racing game or, or something. There's also uh, Chef's um, Love Shack. Balls. <laughs> Love Shack. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that and, and being told that I was not allowed to get those games. But uh, no Simpsons games. And in fact, there was only one Simpsons game on the PlayStation, and it was simpsons wrestling mm. which is you know as you can probably gleam from the name it was based on professional wrestling it wasn't you know like olympic wrestling it was like you know let's just throw all the simpsons characters in the wrestling ring and see how it goes and i'll tell you right now it did not go very well <laughs> no! it was it was less of a wrestling game and more of just kind of like a button mashing game where you moved around the ring and tried to do combos on people you could stun people you could collect letters and I don't know why the website I got the information from listed them. So the letters A, N, U, and T, which spells a nut. Uh-huh. But really what you were trying to spell out was the word taunt. Uh-huh. So that's why you had to get the T twice. Yep. T-A-U-N-T or a nut with two T's. And that would like power you up. You would taunt. You'd do like a special move and uh, your other person's like energy would be drained and you could pull off some amazing... Uh, move on them they were probably just trying to get five letters just because of skate right from tony hawk yeah well and that comes up in the the skateboarding game that i'm about to talk about where they didn't use skate and i wonder if it's because tony hawk like maybe has the rights to that they just used horse because you know classic uh, let's play horse yeah you have to you have to keep a five letters (laughs) yeah it has to be consistent yeah that makes sense but uh simpsons wrestling had power-ups there was donuts that could increase your speed which doesn't make sense to me bowling pins you could pick up and like beat people with and uh, bubble gum that slows other people down which kind of makes sense but this was a game that was i believe developed by fox interactive and it was uh shown off at e3 2000 and carly young director of fox interactive said that the company had received an overwhelming response to their previous Simpsons games, so they wanted to give fans another dose of Barton Homer, this time for PlayStation gamers. Sorry, PlayStation gamers. Yeah. Here's some of the quotes that people said when they were reviewing it. Ugly. The most horrific demolition of a license ever. All about smashing buttons and not having any skill whatsoever. One of the worst PlayStation games to date. (laughs) So... It is considered one of, yeah, not just the worst PlayStation games ever. It's considered one of the worst games of all time. And you know, there's people out there who grew up with it, who absolutely loved it. beating up their brother as Ned Flanders or whatever. But critically, it did not do well. And the Simpsons skateboarding uh, didn't do so much better, I would say. Funny thing about this game was there was another Simpsons game, Simpsons Road Rage, 
And in the game, there were advertisements for Simpsons skateboarding. And on the back of the manual, there was also an advertisement for Simpsons skateboarding, but the game had not been announced. And so everyone is like calling in to Fox and saying like, can you tell us some more about this game? And they're just like, no, <laughs> like, we don't want to. Yeah. We don't want to yet. Like uh, we made a mistake putting the in the game like it's not ready. We don't have the information. Probably got delayed. Yeah. So but it's just funny that they like put it out there and then I guess forgot. And then they were like, oh, uh, yeah, we should probably make that game, shouldn't we? Mm hmm. That was developed by uh, the Code Monkeys, who are developers that I've never heard of before. Um, I think they do a lot of like ports yep. of games, or at least they did back when they were actually, you know, making games. But this was a game that was made by EA. Mm -hmm. um, it was an official, you know, like they worked with Fox Entertainment to get this made, and it was officially announced uh, right before E3 in 2002 because they were like fine you know the game exists you know we're about to show it off so yeah we'll admit that it, it is coming yeah it's actually real right <laughs> and so this one was another one that had like a lot of the voice actors come in and do you know uh, little snippets and things like that but it, it just had like clunky graphics and it you know the skateboarding tricks there just wasn't that many of them yeah. and the controls were bad so you would think they would just be able to kind of piggyback off of the tony hawk games because at that point I mean, it's 2002. There's like three, four games that you could, you know, take inspiration from. But in the end, the uh, Simpsons skateboarding just was not a very good game. It was terrible. And that's really all I got today for a Simpsons game. I could honestly probably do a part two. And I, I might have to if I stumble upon any other cromulent games that might embiggen us all. And the number one reference that I am running into the ground is. But for now, that's it. So everyone's assignment is to go out, watch some Simpsons, classics only, please. I'm talking seasons, you know, uh, two one through, through 12. Yeah, one through 12 is good. And, uh, you know, just, just learn some of the lingo. And then next time, if we have another episode, we can really yep. dive deep with all the references, the steamed hams, and uh, the monorail. monorail. <laughs> Mono, don't! Until then, this is The Memory Card. Signing off. Oh. Oh. Do, 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 do. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Our intro and outro music was crafted by talented chiptune composer Jamatar. You can find more of his banging beats by searching Jamatar, that's J-A-M-A-T-A-R, on Spotify or visiting Jamatar.com. This episode and every episode in Season 8 was edited by audio superstar Mikey Yankovich. If you have any feedback on the podcast or would like to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, at MemCardShow, or you can visit our website, MemoryCardShow.com. If you'd like to follow Ben and I, we can be found at SuperBenTendo and at PushDustin, respectively. Have you considered supporting Memory Card on Patreon? If not, we hope you will. Currently, we're supported by quite a few awesome people, all of which get access to early, ad-free episodes. These people include Jackson Bertoli, Courtney Cotton, Taylor Bias, Cody Sam, Michael Strickland, Jorge Bajija, Manuel Vitella, Shala, Sandra L., Nick Callis, Jaehoon Jeong, Sean Marafini, and Joseph Bayer. All of our Patreon info can be found on the support section of our website or on patreon.com slash memcard. 
We'll be back really soon with some more gaming history goodness, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you soon.